Welcome to Chicago History and Automotive Heaven. World-class restaurants, arts, entertainment, and theaters. First skyscraper, 1890. Tallest buildings, beautiful lakefront. Stories on pioneers and industry leaders that made a difference in America. Welcome, everybody, here. I'm Richie Z at Chicago History and Automotive Heaven. Well, we've done a number of shows. In fact, we've done six shows on Chicago history. Stories, as my friend Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, you heard things that you probably never knew about our wonderful city that I'm so proud of and, and glad that I live here. I love being a historian and covering topics like that, but uh, today we're going to move to that automotive heaven, and I picked a wonderful guest that I had on one of my shows. I've been in the media for 25 years now doing television and radio. Five years I had five years ago, I had a uh, show called Motor City Madhouse, who was one of the hottest automotive shows to come down the damn Ryan Expressway. But uh, I had a gentleman on, and he's here with us today. His name is Patrick Yanahan. Now, he's wonderful. He's a wonderful historian of Porsche automobiles and that. But we were talking prior to going up today, and uh, he tells me that he's an, also a Chicago historian, grew up on the south side. So um, there's a possibility we're going to bring Patrick back. Welcome to the show today, Patrick Yanahan. Thank you, Richie. Nice to be with you again. You know, I want to I want to start right off the bat because you have so much wonderful knowledge. But you're like you're like this show. You love telling the stories, the history, and all of that. Let's get right into Ferdinand Porsche. Tell me the beginnings of Ferdinand Porsche, and then we're going to get into the. Sure. You could take it right into the Volkswagen era if you'd like. Well. The the entire history of the Porsche family, Porsche car, is is exciting, much like any uh, scientist or inventor we would follow, whether it's Edison or Ford. And uh, he was born in uh, what is now Czechoslovakia in the late uh, 1800s and uh, didn't have a formal education, but uh, his father was a uh, uh, metal worker and wanted his son to go into it, but he... He would sneak into the uh, university in Stuttgart to just uh, listen to the professors. And then he started uh, working in the uh, uh, coach business for a company originally called Loner, which made uh, carriages for uh, horse-drawn carriages, and then uh, moved on after that. And uh, he literally built, in uh, the early 1900s, he built the first what we now call a hybrid car. It was a uh, carriage with electric motors on all four uh, corners, four wheels, and a big battery. It didn't do very well because it was so heavy. And then his next uh, iteration of that was actually a a gasoline engine that uh, drove a generator, which then drove the uh, electric motors. Let me ask you one thing. That that car you were the first one, that was that like 1900s? Is that the vehicle that they just found... Yeah, isn't it fascinating? Uh, no more than two years ago, they found which they call now the P1, meaning Porsche 1, because Porsche always put numbers and in his initials on his projects. Uh, about five years ago, they opened up the new uh, Porsche Museum in Stuttgart, 
and uh, subsequently after that they found drawings of this original car and they made a handmade replica of it with operating motors and then literally two years after that uh, somebody found in a barn the actual original car now it had been deteriorated quite a bit but they they rescued it, and it, it now sits in the museum in Stuttgart as well. This thing, you know, you hear people watch the auctions all the time. I get a big kick out of people. They go, oh, my, a, a car like mine went through the auction, and it brought this much money. Does that mean mine's worth that kind of money and this <clears throat> and that? Now, this car, you're, I asked you, I'm glad I asked you earlier, you, you said that this is owned by the Porsche company now. Yes, it is. So there's no chances of it ever hitting the uh, auction block. No. But if it did, what kind of, uh, I mean, this, these are the stories that we have seen where it was like a one-off, one car, and it... it the car, if it was just a regular car, would bring, let's say, $100,000. Right. But because it's a one, one-off, the first one made by a certain yep. uh, well-known Absolutely. designer, that it's worth, they sell it for $2, 3000000 million. Well, that's probably what this is worth, because the factory will never sell it, because it's uh, it was made, handmade by uh, uh, the founder of the whole company. But I would say, clearly, uh, you know, it's got to be in the... Two to four million U.S. dollar. You know what amazes me? I just want to touch this, and we'll move back to the story. But his first vehicle was electric. Yes, and isn't that amazing? And on a battery. You know, the first automobile uh, car race was held in Chicago in 1895. Right. And there was an electric car in the race. You know what the problem was? It ran out of charge. The batteries. Yeah, that's did, right. They couldn't charge the batteries. And like you said earlier about this, it was extremely heavy because of the batteries. Yeah. But it's amazing to me that today we don't have more electric cars. And the reason for that is the oil industry has really crushed the electric car industry. Well, oil is getting cheaper, and in a couple of years we're going to be independent as far as oil the U.S. is finally getting in the point where we're making oil ourselves again. Yeah. So this this was, you know, this is interesting. So take us a little bit further on the journey with Porter and Fersha, uh, Porsche and uh, take us into where he... Uh, well, after, after uh, the, the Lawner experience, he wanted more complex uh, challenges. So he went to work for a company which was called Daimler, which is now Daimler-Benz and started uh, working on some uh, experimental cars and built uh, some V6, or not V6, straight eight engines. And uh, he wanted to always champion, and this is where the story is going to go, he always wanted to champion a small people's car. And we'll come back to that in a second. But uh, Daimler didn't want that. They wanted the bigger cars. And so he built uh, some race cars uh, that did very well. And then... Daimler and uh, Carl Benz got together and formed what is now the uh, Mercedes-Benz group. So he built some of the original SSK uh, race cars for uh, Mercedes, which uh, to this day, if you can find one, there's only two or three left are you know, five, ten million dollar cars. But very successful. And uh, he had some political problems with uh, his bosses at uh, Daimler-Benz. So in the late... Uh, or excuse me, the early 30s, he uh, broke out and started his own consulting company. And he was a uh, engineering consulting firm. 
So that's uh, sort of the evolution. Then from there, um, he was approached, and this is very ticklish, but it's facts. Um, he was approached by uh, uh, the Third Reich in Germany before uh, this was in the late 30s to uh, develop a people's car because Volkswagen, when you translate that to English, is people's car. That's what it is. So he did a, a contract. In fact, the actual first prototype car was built in his home in the suburbs of Stuttgart. And a couple of years ago, I had the honor of actually being there and, and seeing the garage. Now, he's the only one in the automotive history to completely design and build a car himself, correct? Well, he had he had very good uh, uh, workers. In fact, a couple of them uh, he took on to uh, uh, build the first Porsche sports car. But uh, essentially, he and then his son, who was called Ferry, uh, was a young young uh, teenager at the time, and a couple of uh, uh, craftsmen. They did build the car, but yeah. the the engine, the the what we call the Boxster, where You've got two cylinders across from two cylinders. That's something that he had developed uh, when he was at uh, Daimler as well. Now, that's amazing because this, this story, I mean, it, 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 this is a mind-blowing piece of the story. That engine is still being used, that basic concept today. I have one of them in my, my car. <laughs> you know, it's just totally, you know, these people were dreamers. Um, inventors, but they made these dreams come true, and they had so much vision to dream. You know, like like That's we're right. saying, Abs- absolutely. And Porsche, Porsche came to uh, uh, America before the war. In fact, he visited the Ford Motor Company with Henry Ford just to learn sort of the manufacturing process, and uh, <clears throat> went back and then uh, developed. Uh, I think they built thirty prototype what we now call the Beetle. Let me ask you one question, because rumor has it back then, when he met with Henry Ford, he was contemplating building that car himself, having the company, the people's car, being a Porsche car. Right. When he saw the plant here that Henry Ford developed, he was totally, he stepped back and took a look at it, and he Knew he, he knew the engineering, he knew the automobile, but he didn't know the business end of it. No, the manufacturing. Yeah. And that's when he decided to have the German government involved because he needed that expertise. Well, Am yeah, I, is that right? Well, there were three three different companies that were bidding on the project for what what we now call the the people's car, uh, the Volkswagen, and uh, because of his engineering expertise, he won the contract, and then. Uh, uh, the Third Reich authorized uh, other people to build the what is now the Volkswagen plant in Wolfsburg, uh, Germany. So they built that, but then unfortunately the war started and uh, the whole project came to an end. But the the, the interesting thing, it, it's sort of a, a positive story, is, uh, and I actually have from 1938, I have one of the brochures at home where you as a worker... Uh, they would take uh, money out of your paycheck, and they'd give you a stamp, and you'd put this stamp in the book. And then when the book was filled, you'd go get your Volkswagen. Wow. And, uh, I mean, that book alone is worth $1,000 because they don't, uh, there's not many of them left. But that was the logic. But before any of that could happen, 
World War II broke out, and that was the end of that. But they ended up making the car. Was Porsche still involved in oh, yes. the war with the, now, with the Beetle? Uh, during the war, uh, the whole company, the consulting company, uh, did uh, war war projects for the Third Reich, and that was uh, uh, something that we still see a lot of today uh, called the, the Schwimmenwagen. We in America call it the thing. I don't know if you remember that old Volkswagen that was kind of boxy and it yeah. was open. Uh, but the the, Sch- the Schwimmenwagen was uh, a military vehicle that that could go over land and in the water. And right. Yeah, I remember that one. So that that was basically the inside was the same four cylinder engine that we have in the Volkswagen. Now, didn't they use this Beetle in the war? Did, what? The, the, I, I remember they, seeing something. Oh yeah, they they were military versions of right. It. Yeah. And they put actually four guys, big gentlemen, in the and they drove across country in the thing. I remember as a kid growing up here. Okay, um, I don't know what you. There's terms for these type of people, but people either hated that Volkswagen Beetle or loved it. And you've seen more and more every, you know, today I talk about it sometimes and they go, oh, my God, that was my first car or that or my, well, my uncle had one or whatever. Well, we're, we're, you know, we're of that age when we were uh, kids in in grade school or high school and the the Beetle was uh, something that people could afford. I was never a fan. I was more, you know, American car or whatever. My first car was a Corvair, small car and all of that. But, uh, but I remember one thing I'll tell you folks. This mo- this Beetle, when it came here to America, I, I've been around since the 50s. It went through anything and everything. Yes, it, it went did. through snow. It, it, it just, <clears throat> it was an amazing automobile. And it got, back then, I remember they were getting probably 40 miles at a gallon. Well, and they were—they didn't break, or if they did, they were easy to fix and right. cheap, cheap to fix. Wasn't it four bolts, disconnect the exhaust, and you could drop the motor out? Oh yeah, the, I, I've owned uh, three of them in my family, and my son and I could take those things out in twenty minutes. And amazing, you know. And for for a gentleman, this is one of the things when I told people that I talked to recently about this, and I said, you know, what's the only car that was completely designed and built under his supervision now i have to say that because of what you just right. uh taught me but uh uh you know it was the only car ever completely designed and you know built by one man and that was ferdinand porsche most people didn't know he did the beetle well that's exactly right in fact uh um, i have an old uh what's called the 356 and we'll talk about that in a second that was the first por- real porsches and I take it to car shows, and people say, "Look at the Volkswagen." Well, I'm sorry, it's not a Volkswagen, but you have to. Uh, the same with the Carmen Ghia. It's, uh, you know, it is a Volkswagen. But uh, these are great things. But it's the evolution of the technology that I think is the interesting story. You know, this whole I did this. I remember when we did the show together five years ago. You, you. Uh you know, before we go into the break, I want to ask you about one thing. I want to plug this a few times because people need to know about what you do. Tell us mm-hmm. about your automotive rising company and what you do and give out the, the, the email address, the phone number and all of that. We'll do this a number of times, folks. So get your paper and pencils ready. <laughs> go for it. Thank you. Auto Ryzen is a company I, I started a few years ago. Uh, Auto Ryzen means uh, to travel. In German, and what I do is I take uh, car club enthusiasts, the German cars, 
on uh, guided tours of uh, Germany and Austria, and we go to the factories, and it's really a top drawer. I, I take care of everybody, take care of their transportation, their hotels, uh, because I have so many friends over there because I, I worked uh, for a company that had offices in, in Germany. Um, we know people. We take them to places that are not on the tourist traps, and we just have a, a lovely time. And then uh, next year, I'm going to take a group of uh, probably 40 people to the 24-hour race at Le Mans because Porsche is back racing at uh, Le Mans this year. And we'll do the same thing. We'll do uh, Paris, uh, Le Mans. We're going to go up to Champagne Country and then wind up at the Porsche factory uh, for tours and uh, a lot of other special things. Now, when you do the, what, give us an idea of what it would cost to. The whole thing, uh, because I keep it at uh, 40 people, and that's all I can accommodate on a, on a VIP bus, uh, everything, hotel, meals, uh, tour prices, you know, it can run somewhere around uh, $6,000 a person. But this, what you do is, uh, for the for the car guy for the for the automotive enthusiast, I don't even want to say car guy. The automotive enthusiast, because there's a lot of oh, females, yeah. especially with Porsche. Oh, I know that. Are there ever? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I want to say automotive enthusiast. This is like taking a kid to Disney World, or uh, it, basically, it, this is the same thing, except you're going to Europe and, and viewing. Well, we're doing it, and one of the things I've learned uh, on on these sort of project is while the boys may be off doing car stuff, I always have something very nice for the ladies to do separately. Shopping. Always. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned uh, that. Give, uh, a, give a website out where people can get a hold of you and your phone number that yeah, they can call it, you. It's, uh, you can just do a Google search on Automotive Ryzen, or you just go to Automotive Ryzen, it's uh, com, or just do a search, and everything's on the website. Very good. We're going to go into a break. We're going to come back with Pat and do some more wonderful stories about Dr. Ferdinand Porsche and the Volkswagen Beetle. Two Chefs Cafe and Catering, 3 South Center Street, Bensonville, Illinois. Call 630-766-6030. Quality food, cozy atmosphere. Let us cater your next event. Have your next party or event at Two Chefs. Weddings, birthday parties, showers, funeral luncheons. We can accommodate parties from 10 people to 150 in our elegant establishment. Call 630-766-6030. Mention Chicago History and Automotive Heaven and get 15% off. Folks, email me. Let me know what you think of our show, but also I will get you a voucher. I'll email you back a voucher to get 15% off a meal at Two Chefs Cafe and Catering. Dr. James Izzo, DDS, Miles of Smiles Dental Work, General Dentistry. Call 708-983-3670. We're located at 7234 West North Avenue. That's Cameo Towers in Elmwood Park, Illinois. Call our office and mention Chicago History and Automotive Heaven and get a special on teeth bleaching, teeth whitening, folks. Normally it goes for $199. 
Mention our show and you get it for $89. Call 708-983-3670. Folks, also, you can go to our website and all of our sponsors are listed. Please patronize our sponsors because without them, we will not be on the air. Magic Video and Television Productions. Complete wedding package includes church ceremony, reception, cake cutting, toast, first dance, and much more. Anniversary, retirement parties, banquets, reunions, any special event. Quality work with digital cameras dedicated to make your event special and memorable. Call 312-450-2750. We capture those treasured moments forever. Welcome back, everybody. Please patronize my sponsors, because without my sponsors, we won't be on the air. And if you have a business, a service, a product, or even a recession-fighting sale on something, contact us and advertise on the show. Keep us alive, your car shows, and anything like that. Um, You can reach me direct at um, my email address is R-A-U-T-O-M-D at gmail.com. Check out our uh, podcast site. Every one of the shows that we do here at Talk Zone Radio is actually put into my podcast uh, the same afternoon on Friday afternoons. So you can see that at or listen to that at uh, www.richie, Z like in zebra, ie.com, richiez.com. And there's uh, 15 television shows on there. There's Richie's Tip Jar. You'll enjoy the site. We're actually moving on, adding more automotive shows and stuff like that. Pat, I want to get back into, we have Pat Yanahan here. He's, uh, I'm going to call you one of the best guests I've ever had. I had you on the show five years ago. And uh, I knew when I came here I had to get a hold of you and have you back on. But you are, you know so much about Ferdinand Porsche. That's easy for me to say. Yes. <laughs> and, and the history of what he trained. You never did get to meet him, but you met his son, right? Yeah, met his son and uh, met met some of the grand the grandchildren, which are still very active in the corporation. Uh, but just uh, last year, Porsche was uh, totally purchased by uh, the Audi or the Volkswagen Group. So now it's part of uh, Volkswagen. But that's no big deal because uh, the family owned a lot of Volkswagen stock in the past anyhow, so it's uh, it's not going to change anything. And Volkswagen engines have yep. been Porsche <laughs> engines from the beginning of Volkswagen, correct? Well, they made them, but Porsche designed them. Right, yeah. right. So you know, it's it, it's just an amazing story. You know what? Let's. I want to tell the whole story. So I think we left off right around um, the end of World War II. I'd like to pick it up right in there. Well, what happened during the war is because of the bombing of uh, the major cities, including Stuttgart, uh, the family uh, moved back to uh, a town called Zell am See in Austria, and uh, that's where they they lived. And after the war, they started uh, in a little town called Gmünd in Austria, which I've been to several times. They started uh, the little factory to build what, what is now the first Porsche sports car, which is also in the factory uh, in Stuttgart. And uh, during that period, while they were designing and building the car, uh, the French 
arrested Ferdinand Porsche Sr. and took him back to France and incarcerated him and one of his colleagues as war criminals because they had designed, uh, you know, the the vehicles during the war. So it was really a, a heartbreaking situation. Rumor has it on that. I read some of that story, and rumor had it that they did that because they wanted the blueprints. They wanted what he did they for were, themselves. They Am wanted, I right? They wanted his technology. Yes. But unfortunately, the poor man uh, was imprisoned, and his health started failing. He was in his late uh, 60s, early 70s then. I so, can't imagine putting a man with, with a mind like he had in a cell. It, it had to drive him totally insane. Well, it, it did. And what happened was that the the son and the workers, uh, they, they built uh, some projects for uh, some other companies to raise money. And I don't know what it would be in, in dollars today. So they raised about 500,000 francs to get him out of jail with his, his colleagues. So he came back to Austria, but his health was failing. So the son... Uh, really took over the entire uh, development of the Porsche number one, which uh, goes by the uh, the project number three five six. There's Porsche three five six, and there's probably uh, several thousand of us here in the United States that still own those uh, original three five six. Those path. were built in the late forties. They were built in the car. The first one was built in forty eight. Okay. And then in I think it was fifty three, they moved back to Stuttgart. And then started building the cars uh, at the uh, the Reuter uh, factory. They rented space in the Reuter factory, which is another substory. And then the rest is history. They built uh, 356s up to 1965. But in 1963, uh, one of the other uh, children, whose name nickname was Butsy, and his group started designing what is now the the iconic 911, which is a phenom- phenomenal car. Now, Porsche always had numbers, and that was ah. because of well, the engineering of Ferdinand Porsche. He always used numbers for his engineering projects, correct? Well, well this is... This is number one. This is P1. Right. The, that was the one we were talking about earlier with right. the electric uh, back and, in 1900. And uh, the old cars, which I was mentioning, the 356s, that's Project 356, and 911 is Project 911. Now, I heard a story. There was something about that story where it was really the 910 project. Well, they, he, he added some numbers in between, so it looked like he was more... Successful, and he was. But that's that's where it all came from. Now, you're, you're going to go into the 9-11 story. Before you go into that, though, I want to mention one thing. There's a Porsche fanatic, um, loves Porsches, a, a very wealthy man in New York City. His name is Jerry Steinfeld. Seinfeld, yes. And he owns the first 911 made in 1965, correct? Right. I've seen the car. It's stunning. And then he owns the last one ever made. Right. Those those he bought, and uh, let's be very clear about it, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, phenomenal, comical talent uh, actor, but he knows his Porsches. He is not uh, just a, a rich man buying cars. Did you ever 
have the opportunity to go to New York and see what he has, his collection? Very, very few people have. He's very okay. protective of it. I, I read the whole story about him. He's a, a, a Porsche phenomenon. He has a building that he bought in downtown Manhattan. Yes. That's like, I think it was uh, 10 stories, 8 stories tall. And when he bought it, it was like $10 million to buy. Well, he has money. But he gutted the whole building, installed elevators for the automobiles. I heard he put $13 million into the building to house his car collection. I I could believe that. Uh, but the, I must tell you, and I, I cannot identify the person, we have people here in Chicago uh, who have phenomenally equal collections of Porsches. We're going to have to, you and I are going to have to get together on the other side because, uh, <laughs> well, we're working on a TV show, um, and I'm just going to let you know, I'm going to, uh, you know what, I'll let everybody know, um, there's some hidden collections you'll never see, period. That's right. Now, I have already contacted a few people that are toying with the idea of letting me come in and film the collections and talk about them, okay, for television. But the one stipulation is I never tell who owns it and where the cars are. That's right. So um, this is going to, if if we get this off the ground, this is going to be one of the most interesting car collections you always wanted to see and never could, never would at a car show or anywhere. Well, based, based on your earlier comments, us both being Chicago boys, Chicago is a big car collector town, oh, both, both domestic and uh, foreign. And there are some extremely nice people that have given me the privilege of seeing their collections that are absolutely mind-boggling. And it's right here in Chicago. There's a gentleman downtown. I live I live in uh, Little Italy now, but uh, there's a gentleman in the area there that has Duesenberg's, uh, has a lot of the one-off automobiles uh but he also has a real Tucker. Now, two wow. years ago, a real Tucker went through the auction at $2.8 million. But people don't realize when you're watching this auction, okay, the price of the car was $2.8 million, But the people that run the auction get 10% on both sides. That's so right. you, the sellers, <laughs> pay 10%. And you, the buyer, pay 10%. So that brings the price of the car up more. Plus, now Uncle Sam taps you on the shoulders and of course he does. charges you yeah. a tax. So I estimate that car is worth in excess of $3.5 million itself. And it'll stay there and keep going up in the future. You know, that's that's a story we're going to tell somewhere down the road. Um, you know, Princeton Tucker, the car was actually really built in Chicago. Yes, it was. Exciting story. Yeah. So we're going to do so that. But let's, let's get back to this uh this thing, the 911 in 1965. Tell us a little bit about that car. That car became an icon. I think that became one of the most popular models of Porsche ever built. Am I right or? Absolutely. I think. Uh, forgive me for not knowing the exact number, but you know, it's there's eight million of them running around, and uh, seventy seventy percent of them. Listen, listen to this, Richie. Seventy percent of them are still running. They are not only fun to drive, but after you drive them and beat them up. People like me restore them, and you drive them again. It's just phenomenal. I I just uh, uh, think that that uh, the technology is is based on the 
the uh, 9-11. But one more Chicago story before we move on to the 9-11. <coughs> I just helped a gentleman uh, restore a 1957 Porsche that was in storage for uh, 40 years. It ha- only had 10,000 original miles on it. Chicago family bought it at the factory, and the story is it was the 1957 Geneva Auto Show show car for the factory. The lady, they were there visiting. She wanted the car. They said, no, you can't have it. But the husband went back later and said, well, after the show, ship it to us. We want it. Then he got sick, and the car went into a garage. And uh, so I I helped the owner restore it, and we brought it back to... uh, as new, and we took first place in the Nationals with it. When did you show it? Recently? Yeah, just uh, last year. i got to ask this question because people think, oh, yeah, I could just throw some paint on it. I can <laughs> uh, I can buff it out. I can, uh, you know. How much money? Give me a ballpark because you can't put. But how, yeah, it's, how it, much money in parts, material, and all of that you have, not counting sweat and hourly well, labor? And, and it doesn't matter, make any difference whether it's a Corvette or an old right. Mustang. I want people to hear this, though. It's, it's, um, we took this car literally totally apart. Down you to did a every, rotisserie. Every nut, bolt, engine out, down to the bare metal, we did it all. A rotisserie restoration, I want to mention, because we were watching one of the car shows and they asked one of the announcers about the rotisserie right. restoration. He had no idea what that meant. Okay. <laughs> a rotisserie restoration means you actually take the car completely 100% apart. It, everything's off of it, and the body gets mounted to this thing that's like a rotisserie. That's, that's right. Just- and you can spin the car upside down to the side, whatever. But these people like yourself that restore these vehicles, they put them in back in original pristine condition. So that underbelly will be painted, uh, if it was gloss back then, which I doubt, most of them were probably a flat black. Well, they were, this, the, the Porsches were tarred, like with asphalt. Were tarred. Yeah. But you still got it all ready, clean, prepared. Well, down to the bare metal. Right. And then you went from there putting the e-coats on, which are rust inhibitants and all well, of that. Well, then we actually researched the color of the original paint, and we ah. had the original Seekins was the original company that made the paint. Wow, really? And we we got them to make the paint color for us. But uh, to your point, uh, this car, I would say we probably spent uh, in parts thirty thirty five thousand dollars in labor. That again, labor you can't even because nobody counts it. It's, no. it's a it's a labor of love, is well, what it, it is. It's it, like it is, but you have to assign some value to right. your time, but. Uh, no, I, I've I've seen uh, to answer your question. Uh, you know, this is a couple hundred thousand dollar car now. But if you took it to a, a restoration shop that specializes in doing what we're talking about here, putting it back into pristine original right. condition, two hundred thousand dollars isn't a lot of money. No, today. in fact, here's here's another real story. Uh, the original Porsches that I mentioned were made in Gmund, Austria. They were aluminum and they were made by hand. They would take uh, sandbags and, and wooden bucks and actually bang the metal, and they only made 50 of them. Uh, Peter Portia from the family uh, sent the car to a friend of mine in uh, North Carolina to be restored, and uh, it took him two years, and it was probably, uh, the car when it's all done, is probably worth $3 million. 
you know, <clears throat> I wish someday we were able to do, I wanted to do some of these uh, things that you, you just rang a bell, but back then they took a piece of a sheet of a metal, aluminum, whatever it is, and they actually molded it by hand with mallets and that's right and wooden mallets and and all of that i would love and i've been in this industry all my life 60 years i've been uh, adoring cars since i was a little kid and and i would love to see someone form something like that we think we're sophisticated and technology is great but you know today we just they stamp out something even for the very uh, yeah. Expensive automobiles. Nothing's hand handmade like it was. Well, I've, back I've then. had to have parts made like that, and I'll tell you, in Chicago, there are some of the nicest, uh, most talented craftsmen that can still do that old technology by hand. We did a show um, back in 2005 at a restoration shop in Chicago, outside the city of Chicago, and there was a gentleman there um, that actually built the whole skin for Duesenberg. Mm. The car came in with no skin on it. No, right. The exterior was all done in aluminum. And when I saw it, they're actually painting it now. It's a, a long thing in process. But um, very, very, if there's a, a sixteenth of an inch of Bondo just to make it perfect, that's, that's how well he was able to make all these pieces. No, no I've got friends that own the, some of the old American classics like that. You can spend uh, three, four hundred thousand dollars restoring a car of that caliber. This car is probably going to be a half a million dollars. I wouldn't car. doubt it. Absolutely. You know, uh, so let's get back to four. I, mean, well, I could talk to you forever. Well, let's go back to the 911 because that's the car that most people, uh, no, that that was first shown in 65. You know, before we get back into the 911, we're going to take a short break and come back uh, with the rest of the story about the 911. Magic Video and Television Productions. Complete wedding package includes church ceremony, reception, cake cutting, toast, first dance, and much more. Anniversary, retirement parties, banquets, reunions, any special event. Quality work with digital cameras dedicated to make your event special and memorable. Call 312-450-2750. We capture those treasured moments forever. Two Chefs Cafe and Catering, 3 South Center Street, Bensonville, Illinois. Call 630-766-6030. Quality food, cozy atmosphere. Let us cater your next event. Have your next party or event at Two Chefs. Weddings, birthday parties, showers, funeral luncheons. We can accommodate parties from 10 people to 150 in our elegant establishment. Call 630-766-6030. Mention Chicago History and Automotive Heaven and get 15% off. Folks, email me. Let me know what you think of our show, but also I will get you a voucher. I'll email you back a voucher to get 15% off a meal at Two Chefs Cafe and Catering. Magic Video and Television Productions. Complete wedding package includes church ceremony, reception, cake cutting, toast, first dance, and much more. Anniversary, retirement parties, banquets, reunions, any special event. Quality work with digital cameras dedicated to make your event special and memorable. 
Call 312-450-2750. We capture those treasured moments forever. Welcome back, everybody. We're with Pat Yanahan from Automotive Ryzen, a company that takes you on a tour of Europe in some of the most finest museums and auto plants, Porsche plants, and other things in, in Europe. Uh, but Patrick and I are doing the uh, history of Ferdinand, Dr. Ferdinand Porsche today. And we've got, we haven't gotten anywhere yet because we're still on the 9-11. So, That's Patrick, right. why don't you pick up the 9-11? i got to have you come back and do another show with me one of these days. Well, the, the 9-11 is important because it's uh, uh, the car. It's an icon. It's enjoyed by both men and women. In fact, uh, most people don't know this. The Porsche Club is the largest uh, single-mark car club in the United States, over 100,000 members. And here in Chicago... We have over 3,000 members of the Porsche Club. You guys have a meet this year coming up? Yeah, we, we meet, uh, we have, uh, the, the, we call it the parade. Right. The parade's going to be in Monterey, California. This year. This year. Two years ago, three years ago, it was here in uh, St. Charles. Right, at uh, Pheasant Run, yeah, right? Yeah, but uh, the, the 9-11 uh, was uh, really championed by Ferry Porsche, who was the son of Ferdinand Porsche. And then... Uh, went through a lot of arguments about the design because uh, a lot of the internal engineers and marketing guys wanted to make it a four-door, not four-door, four-passenger car with sort of a squared roof. And and uh, the, the old man, Ferry, said no way, so he, he forced them to, to do the design as we see today. So he was, just like his father, he was a significant influence in designing the car. But then that became a six-cylinder and then up to, I think it was the 991, it was air-cooled. I think the 90, the 993 in 95 to 98 was uh, the last of the air-cooled. Now they're water-cooled, and the reason for it is uh, there's too much horsepower, too much heat generated in these engines. They went from, you know, 105 horsepower, now they're 450 horsepower, so you just can't cool them with air, but uh, they're... Two, two-wheel drive cars, four-wheel drive cars, race cars, rally cars. Uh, it's all the basic 911. You know, I want to tell a, a quick uh, little interesting piece about Porsche and myself. I, uh, I used to um, belong to an automotive uh, organization. We used to do rallies. We did a rally at uh, Road America. Mm-hmm. Manufacturers bring out their vehicles, and then you're able to uh, test drive them, take them out on the street, but also take them on the track where right. you can do, you know, whatever speed you want. And I remember getting into a Porsche, and this was a few years ago, probably about four or five years ago, six years ago, and uh, taking it on the track now. Which one of the best things that Porsche did then was they sent one of the technical advisors with me in the car. They wouldn't let you just take it yourself. So I'm doing 140 miles an hour. I'm not kidding you. And um, it felt like 60 miles an hour. I mean, just the the excellence in in engineering and comfort and, and just the performance... It was beyond anything I ever drove before. Now, we're coming into the figure eight turn at Road America, and 
I had the foot off before the engineer, but the engineer is saying it while I'm pulling my foot out of it. We're ending into the turn. We're going at around probably 105. By the time we're coming out of the eight, you know, figure eight turn, I'm doing about 94, 95. I look down and the engineer goes, put your foot in it. I go, what? He goes, put your foot in it. Get now. We're not out of the turn yet. So I just, he put it down. So I, I, I put my foot in it. The car just went. There yep. was, there, there's nothing I can say. You didn't feel anything. You didn't, the transmission I learned later is in two or three gears at the, all the time. Right. The computer does the shifting for you. You never feel like a car taking off or anything. By the time I came out of this turn, I was doing 130, 140 miles an hour again. It, 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 it's it, very, very exciting, isn't it? It's, uh, it's one of the things that, uh, we go back to the club. One of the nice things about the Chicago uh, Porsche Club is that we have a certified uh, training program for the racetrack. In fact, we rent Road America twice a year. Wow. I'd and, like to come out. Let me know when that's happening. Well, you got to be a member. you got to uh, be a member. Okay. But, uh, no, we have uh, people we take you through uh, novice training, and then you have to be certified. And eventually, after you've, you've uh, been certified on the smaller tracks here in the Midwest, then you can go to Road America. So you bring people out with their cars, their and, cars. and train. This, I've never heard of any group doing this. Oh, this yeah. is the smartest thing I've heard. Absolutely. Because, you know what, these, especially today, but since we were kids, you and I, Pat, cars were lethal weapons if you didn't know how to respect it. Not, not know how to drive it, know how to respect the power that you had. So you're actually taking people that own these vehicles that have an extreme amount of power in them and, and giving them the tools, the, to, tra- the training to enjoy the vehicle, but also push it if they want to on a track. But also the safety issue. You have Correct. to, be, you have to be trained. And I'm, I'll tell you here in Chicago, some of our best drivers are women. Women, that's one thing I want to mention about Porsche and automobiles. I've been to some of these shows and that. You guys got a lot of women that are hanging around and, well, and, abs- and absolutely. involved with these cars. No, it's, uh, if you, if you talk to any of the dealers here in Chicago, Porsche dealers, they'll tell you, you know, the women are becoming a predominant customer for the cars. Now, I met a woman, I don't know if, I'm going to, Pick your brain here for a second. I met a woman at a car show where you guys had a, a thing. I think it was Geneva Car Show. Right. And uh, this lady, her husband had passed away. She had a brown 911. Her, she knew who I was. Her and her husband used to watch and listen to my show when I was on the other station. And that she, her passion, she she tells the story, but she still owns the car. Done a lot of work to it. She's from Indiana. Does it ring a bell? Oh yeah. This this. Well, first off, I know the car. It's a 1973. Uh, her and her husband are the original owners. Right. And uh, it's a it's a lovely car. Very low mileage, but not a scratch on it. So unfortunately, her husband died five or six years ago, and uh, she didn't realize what a car she had as far as a collector show car. And she's a, a school teacher, so she started reading up on it, and she joined our club. And all of a sudden, 
She's getting very dangerous. She knows much about the 9-11s than I do. Her passion when she grabbed me, well, she didn't grab me, but when she saw me coming, she, are you Richie? You know, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So she, her passion to tell her story was just like any of us car guys. Well, that's right. And she took that car and did all the work uh, herself and, and with some friends and we took it to our national, our national competition is called our parade. It, moves around the country, and we've got usually over a 1,000 people attend. And uh, I judged her car last year, and she took first place in what the concourse. What was her first name? Candace Jones is her Candace name. Candace Jones. Yeah, that's, that's Nice, nice lady, and, and uh, just a, a very enthusiastic member. You know, the Porsche Club is unique in a way where I, like I, you know, you go to these car shows, sometimes you see the, the ladies that are there, they're, you know they're, Kicking and screaming, coming to the thing. They don't want to be at the car show. Yeah. You know, the mate of somebody. Right. But uh, a lot of them do enjoy. They they end up, you know, loving what we do. Sure. Being part of us. But the Porsche Club is unique where I've seen women. And I met Candace because she came up to me. That's right. The passion is, you know. And that's wonderful to see, you know, because we're the only sporting group in the world that when you go to one of our events, you don't see anybody using four-letter words. You don't see anybody falling down drunk. You don't see anybody arguing or fighting. In fact, you do see where two guys, you and I could meet, and I could look at your car, Pat, and say, how did you get it to look this way? Right. And you'll start. We could talk for an hour and not ever know each other's yeah, names. It's, it's amazing uh, in, in this hobby, and, and it is a hobby, uh, I've met uh, people that are firemen, and I've met people that are billionaires, and you don't know it because all we do is talk about cars and socialize and have a lot of fun. Yeah, it, I, I've met a lot of people throughout the years with everything I was doing, 25 years of television and, and radio. Um, man, I, I could tell you stories about Warshaw. We're going we're gonna to do this on the show, but I could tell you about Roy Warshawski, who actually started the first uh, automobile catalog company. Famous name. Yeah, made a fortune. Um, from the Hyatt Regency Hotel, the uh, founding father, he was at car shows all the time, and he had a huge Pritzker. Pritzker, yeah, big had a collection. huge collection. Yeah. And if you saw him at a show, nobody would even talk to him. He never brought anything pristine out. He had this gentleman that would bring cars out for him, and the cars were okay, but he was dressed like in clothes that were just regular clothes. But if you went up and talked to him, oh, my God, the stories you'd hear from him. Absolutely. Fantastic uh, collection and, and a knowledgeable gentleman. You know, one other one I want to just mention, too. Man, I'm getting off on my Porsche thing, but um, we were at the Geneva show, and there's a gentleman there with a black Duesenberg. Tudor Duesenberg. I don't know if you remember. No, I... An older gentleman, and he tells the story. Now, this Duesenberg is from the 30s, all original to this very day. People come from all over the world that are restoring Duesenberg, take pictures, and spend two days with the car because of its originality. car was originally bought for his wife. Wow. To get her involved in the car industry and all of that. And uh, she passed away a number of years ago. He still brings it out. Well, the, let me uh, put a plug in here. The Geneva Concours is probably one of the largest and finest uh, judged uh, Concours in the country. 
It will be occurring the last Sunday of August this year in Geneva, Illinois. Folks, that is one of my favorites. Yep. It's, and it's this year the theme is going to be American classic uh, V12s and V16s and Amer- uh, Italian classic cars. But Porsche's always got a Yeah, we always a, have a big big presence big there. presence there. Yeah, most uh, uh we provide a lot of the judges for the show, so the Porsche Club comes up in mass. You know, we don't have a lot of time left in this show, and I'm not going to do any tips today or anything. I'm going to keep Pat here. Pat, um, get into where where you want to take this, where we can finish out this show. Well, with, I, I think with the, the I think Porsche the issue story. is, is uh, a couple of things. Uh, we're seeing a lot of kids now getting into the hobby because they can buy the the older Porsches. Uh, the Boxster, which is the little two two seat uh, Porsche, has brought a lot of younger people into it because it's a uh, affordable. You know, you can buy a a used Boxster for fourteen, sixteen thousand dollars, and it needs uh, a lot of work. Needs a lot of work, but that's how you learn, <laughs> right? But uh, no, it's 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 a lot of fun. And then one of the things we do uh, in the Chicago Club, we have two major clubs in Chicago. We have the Midwest Three Fifty Six Club, and we have the Porsche Club of America. Uh, the, the 356 Club is more of the older cars, and those are, are now almost getting too valuable to drive. And then the Porsche Club is is we've got the training programs, we've got family events, and uh, as you said before, when my wife uh, first started seeing me going to these things, she said, I'd rather go out in the backyard and watch grass grow. But now she's into it big time. She enjoys it as much as we do. It's, it's amazing, uh, you know... Uh you know, one thing I want to mention, last year I did a lot of tours in downtown Chicago, and I spent spent a lot of time in downtown Chicago. Um, and I'll tell you, I, you and I, you can relate. You notice the cars on the street. You know, I've always been a Corvette fan, but we're not going to get into any of that. But I want to mention one thing. You see a lot of Porsches. Yes, you do. New, late model Porsches traveling, and the young people... Uh, are turned on by that automobile. And I just want to say one thing. Driving that thing on the track at, at Road America made me a big fan. Well, of, well, the, the new ones, uh, if I can talk about the new technology, sure. because Porsche always develops new technology before the other brands. Well, the new, the new 918 car, which is uh, for sale now, Total horsepower is 880 horsepower. From the factory. From the factory. With a out, guarantee and everything. Out of the box. But the key is, as you were mentioning, your own driving experience, uh, the, the, the standard eight-cylinder engine has 450 horsepower. But as you come out of the curve, when your driver instructor was telling you to step on it, well, here you just press the buttons, the electric motors come on, and add 200 more horsepower immediately. So you can scream right out of the curve. That's going to come to the street pretty soon. Let me ask you something. You grew up, we're very close in age. Um, Did you ever think in your wildest dream auto technology would be doing what it's... And then let me ask you one other thing, following through on that. What do you think is going to happen in 10 years when we're gone? (laughs) Well, uh, two good good questions. Uh, You know, I'm from the south side. I went to... uh, St. Rita High School and took auto shop there and thought that was really high technology. But now I see my, my young neighbor, uh, who's uh, a freshman at IIT, and he's out tuning his Mustang 
and he's doing it with his laptop computer. Isn't that amazing? So it's it's adjusting the chips, and the chips run the transmissions, they run the engines, they run the suspension. These kids are going to be restoring cars, but it's going to be electronic more so than just mechanical like you and I did. The, the hobby is safe. We've got kids coming up. You know, one thing I want to mention, too. I mean, I, 40 things are in my head right now, but I want to mention one thing, because every now and then you hear uh, they're talking about uh, gasoline and, and uh, you know, what do we need race cars for? What do we need the racing industry for? It's a waste of gasoline. It's a waste of, uh, of automobiles mm. and all of that. And I have said from the beginning of time, if it wasn't for the racing industry, the technology, like Dr. Ferdinand Porsche is one of hundreds of people, but it, without his uh, love of the speed and pushing the vehicle, we wouldn't have the sophisticated automobiles that we drive today. Well, let's be very pragmatic about it. Uh, Porsche doesn't do all this just to go and win races. They do it to develop the technology to put into the cars they sell to you and I. And lastly, this car that I was mentioning with 800 uh, horsepower, uh, it gets 80 miles to the gallon. How much is it going to be about? Do you have any idea? Any For money? Money-wise? Well, that that's a high-end car. That's $800,000. But you'll see that in our streetcars in five years. You know, I saw cars 800,000-plus on the streets in Chicago oh, yes. downtown. Yeah. You know, Patrick, it's it's always a pleasure and honor to have you on my show. Um, more information about Patrick Anahan. He takes you on a tour of Europe. It's a wonderful experience. If you're an automotive lover, it takes you to uh, Porsche Plant, the Porsche Museum, and other things in Europe. But you can contact, you can visit his website at autorizen.com, automotiverizen.com. Ryzen is spelled R E I. S-E-N dot com. You can actually uh, reach Patrick at his uh, office uh, at 630-395-7000. Patrick, thank you so much for being on the show. And, folks, uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week. Magic Video and Television Productions. Complete wedding package includes church ceremony, reception, cake cutting, toast, first dance, and much more. Anniversary, retirement parties, banquets, reunions, any special event. Quality work with digital cameras dedicated to make your event special and memorable. Call 312-450-2750. We capture those treasured moments forever. Dr. James Izzo, DDS, Miles of Smiles Dental Work, General Dentistry, call 708-983-3670. We're located at 7234 West North Avenue, that's Cameo Towers in Elmwood Park, Illinois. Call our office and mention Chicago History and Automotive Heaven and get a special on teeth bleaching, teeth whitening, folks. Normally it goes for $199. Mention our show and you get it for $89. Call 708-983-3670. Folks, also, you can go to our website and all of our sponsors are listed. Please patronize our sponsors because without them, we will not be on the air. Two Chefs Cafe and Catering, 3 South Center Street, Bensonville, Illinois. 
Call 630-766-6030. Quality food, cozy atmosphere. Let us cater your next event. Have your next party or event at Two Chefs. Weddings, birthday parties, showers, funeral luncheons. We can accommodate parties from 10 people to 150 in our elegant establishment. Call 630-766-6030. Mention Chicago History and Automotive Heaven and get 15% off. 